Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 121 of the In the Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we're very happy to have on uh, probably the the best official, the best referee out there in the professional game today, uh, John Mazzarella. Uh, he's been officiating for many years now, and uh, he's uh, gained a reputation for being extremely reliable, extremely consistent, and having the ability to maintain control of things uh, on the court uh, when uh, potentially things could get a little bit testy. And uh, I'm really, we were really happy uh, to have him on today. Um, and we talk, uh, we look, take a little bit of a look back how we got into uh, squash first as a player, and then uh, he got into officiating and soon thereafter became very passionate about it. And that led to eventually where he is today, refereeing all the big matches in all the major events on tour these days. And uh, he generated a passion for that soon after he started officiating. He talks about what led to that passion and uh, how he, uh, pr how he uh, gathered uh, enough uh, experience over the years of refereeing at junior tournaments, uh, lower level tournaments, eventually getting invited to, uh, to be part of the officiating teams at other events, and then ultimately this leading to where he is uh, today. And we talk quite a bit about some of the debatable uh, officiating topics that uh, we see online on, on many of the uh, squash community uh, forums. Uh, we get into those. Then we talk uh, a little bit about uh, what it takes to be a, a, a great official and what you need to do uh, yourself if you want to, uh, to get to that level. And it's very insightful there. And we talk a, about so much more. I know you're going to really enjoy this. So uh, John Mazzarella here on episode 121. Very good afternoon. Hey, hey, how are you? Okay, thank you. Great, Apologies great along the way. Great My daughter is like a scarlet pimpernel. It took me till last night for her <laughs> to come to my house and tell me what to do. <laughs> well, I really, really appreciate uh, your daughter. Uh, I know this this can be uh, sometimes if you're not even not used to the uh, the technology, even the, the youngest uh, of the, the lot have a uh, have trouble with it. So uh, yeah, really yeah, yeah. I mean. Jerry, I'm not embarrassed at all that I can barely do a message on a phone. Um, <laughs> I'm just pleased. I'm pleased that I've got other talent. <laughs> well, you've, got, you've got a bit of experience now, though, with those iPads you're using uh, on tour. Right? I have. But, well, this is the laughing thing among referees over there. When new referees come along and I'm teaching them how to use it, a lot of them know and have a laugh about my... Uh, experience of technology and they say well if he can do it I'm sure we can <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant you've uh, you've yeah. managed to get your way through through that uh, so I'm sure um, yeah this wasn't so terribly difficult but it is it is a bit tricky uh, uh, if you're not yeah used to it. So yeah thanks for bearing with me uh, with that yeah yeah good so uh, how's everything going, John? Um, by the way, great work at the, the Tournament uh, of Champions. I keep trying for an old boy. I keep, uh, keep trying to keep the other refs under me. They try, they try to challenge me, but I, I keep doing a bit here and there, don't I? 
<laughs> you do. Yeah, oh, you do. And uh, uh, you really, I think you had a great command. And I think this is uh, across the whole squash community, a uh, great yeah. command yeah. of uh, things going on on court. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, it looks, it's easier said uh, than done, isn't it? That's right. You know, you do. and you try and do it in a, the nicest possible way as well, because that's where you get the respect along the line. And that's, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so when's your next event, John? Is it uh, Windy City? I'm going or? to Edinburgh tomorrow morning for the Edinburgh Open. All oh, right, right. Um, <laughs> where the um, it's only a small event, but uh, Shibagi, everybody's Gawa, playing in it. Col and yeah. making a playing in it. So, I guess between you and me, there's a bit of appearance money going on here. There must be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then yeah, they've yeah. got you there as well. So. Well, they've dragged me up as well, and I don't get much appearance money, you know. Well, they take care of your bar bill, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, so I'm on a 6.30 train in the morning, yes, uh, to get up to Edinburgh, which is three hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right on. Well, that's good. And then Chicago. After. Oh, no, the British Nationals, and then Chicago. That's... Then Canary Wharf, so... Wow. And I'm still working, you know, Jerry. So okay. I'm still working. I'm a retailer. I'm a landlord. A, okay. I squash this and a family man. And uh, it takes me 18 hours a day to fulfill everything. Well, it's a good life. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting uh, life you have there. The life of a of a squash official and the top one uh, uh, in the game. Um, I, I'm a good friend of uh, one of your former colleagues. Uh, from Canada, he I grew up with uh, Graham Waters. Uh, he was uh, gentleman. Uh, what really a gentleman! Great Absolutely, um, what a gentleman! Absolute yeah. gentleman. Yeah, I can remember yeah, when I was a junior. Um, yeah, he was one of the like he was an A level player, and he he was very handy around the court for a big guy. Was he? Know. Was he actually? Yeah, you know, he wouldn't have been one to boast about that. It's interesting to hear. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He had great hands, great, really nice touch. Yeah. Moved well. I think I think he was just yeah. a good, uh, very good athlete, and uh, that's yeah. right around yeah. the time he he was taking officiating uh, seriously, and uh, then it yeah. grew into yeah. uh, what it what it was, what it turned out to be. No, I learned a lot off Graham, to be honest. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how you operate off court as well, you know. It's mm. not only how you operate on court, off court as well. And yeah. what what uh, what does that mean, John? What what in terms of Well, how how you, you conduct yourself and how you um you know, you you get the respect of players by showing yourself to be human off court as well, you know, yeah. without, without going over the top and what have you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember uh, very well, like I, I played at, in Nova Scotia for the provincial team in, in Canada over the years. And uh, yeah. after all, any match that Graham would officiate of mine, he'd always come up to me afterwards and talk to me about the match. Like, was there anything on, you know, yeah. how, how did you think it went? And, you know, there was never anything like you did this or that wrong. It was, he always asked me what, how I felt. It was which shared I, experiences. I always thought was awesome. Shared experiences. Yeah. That's what he taught me. He said, you know, in good conversation, you can teach the player a bit and the player can certainly teach you an awful lot. Yeah. You know, with, 
with a shared conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it kind of made me feel pretty good too, because obviously <laughs> I did. I I didn't uh, go at him uh, as hard as uh, maybe some others might have. So, uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah. He did. I hope he didn't come up to you when you'd lost badly. That that's, no. <laughs> that's the thing you don't do. You don't do that. No, no. Well, uh, I mean, he, uh, yeah, he, he obviously picked. He chose his spots, but uh, no, he was a great guy, and uh, yeah, great. I mean, the both of you obviously have some great stories to tell. But I'd like to know a little yeah. bit about your your squash backstory before we get into the the the, the officiating side of stuff. So uh, yeah. g just give us a little thumbnail uh, for those of, I mean, probably the people uh, in the UK uh, on that side of the, the, the pond uh, know a fair bit more about you, but uh, what's your squash, um, uh, your, ba your squash backstory? Where did it start right. and how did you get into uh, the officiating side of things? Right, okay. 36 years of age, didn't know squash existed. <laughs> uh, played soccer all my life at a half-decent local level. Got a bit too slow, 36 years of age. Said to some of my friends, what am I going to do? I'm used to this here cracking the changing room since I was seven years old. Somebody said, come and have a game of squash. I went to have a game of squash. I absolutely took to it straight away. 36, 38, 39. I couldn't reach any standard whatsoever because like every other sport I've played, I've been honest endeavor and no skill. <laughs> and so there it went. I continued. I was in the local club and what have you. Um, six or eight teams, never got in one of them. Um, entered all the tournaments within the club got knocked out first round every time, wanted to be involved. So what do you do? You yeah. help out refereeing in the later rounds. And there is where it all started in my local club, late 30s, just refereeing in the club, and I keep pinching myself ever since. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. And then you just took the, the officiating uh, the pretty... I get, you know, when it comes to officiating, I guess... So few people enjoy it or want to want to do it in the tournaments. You know, usually guys will, a lot of guys will just yeah. kind of, you know, go to the locker room and go home. But uh, for you know, for for someone like you to take it on and and take a take it seriously and learn more about it, uh, I guess that's sort of what happened with you, is it? It bugged me. I got the bug, and yeah. I was just enjoying it. I was able. To be challenged, I like challenges. Obviously, I'm still working at my age only because I want to be challenged every day I get up. Um, and so I was refereeing because I enjoyed the challenge, the camaraderie, and being involved in some sort of way. And, you know, it was a, another few years before I'd gone I qualified to referee in the local league and then the Yorkshire League and then nationally. And I wasn't thinking of progressing or any, any of that time was I, I just never thought of progressing and it was happening. It just kept happening. And then suddenly I, I was going up the ranks, but all the time it was just, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying the challenge and the, yeah, the path kept coming, it kept opening up for me. 
That's brilliant. And, uh, and that's where it brought you to where you are today. Where I guess over time you just managed to, to figure out how, how to, how to mark like uh, big matches and not get sort of overcome by who you're marking. Well, the, the, uh, that, that was it. Yes. I suppose, yeah. you know, I think, I think a lot of referees do fetch their life experiences to refereeing, you know, where, uh, uh, as an employer, as a landlord, um, dealing with people, how to get the best out of people, and knowing that all people tick in a different sort of way. And that, of course, relates to squash players as well. They're all different, yeah. and uh, they all react differently. And uh, I think that is a part of a, a skill of a good referee is, is to how how to handle these situations. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, that's one thing I notice in, in your officiating is you, you know, when to step in and how far maybe you have to go in order to sort of main, make sure things don't, Indeed. don't get out, out of oh. control. And when to smile and when to join in. <laughs> Absolutely. On, yeah. on, on the other side of the coin, you know, there's, you've got to be human as well. And uh, yes, it's how to react different situations yeah, yeah definitely now uh, now you mentioned uh, when we first started you're not very tech savvy uh, are you social media are you on social media at all um not a lot not a lot not though. a lot <laughs> not a lot because i think that could drive you to the wall a bit of social media as well yeah you know i think um, at the end of the day have confidence in your own abilities and uh let yeah, other yeah. people do the talking. Let <laughs> other people do the talking. Absolutely. Well, I did a little bit of talking, a little bit of pub for, for this uh, episode. And uh, yeah. on uh, Facebook, there's a community. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's called, uh, well, there are a couple out there. Uh, Squash Stories is one of them where there are, are literally thousands, tens of thousands of uh, yes, squash I actually players. Know Jamie. I actually know Jamie Maddox. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, he's made quite from a name for himself. From 25 years ago, yeah. from 25 years ago, when he used to come as a player to to my local tournament, really, and I lost touch with him over the years, and I actually met him again uh, just a few months ago at a at a PSL night in in um, Warwick, I think it was. Okay. Amazing, really, yeah. It's amazing, yeah. yeah. He he loves it. Yeah. I mean, he does a great job with uh, with the squash stories yeah. there. And uh, he, by the way, in the he said that he 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 loves you. So uh, he, he just wanted to <laughs> today, <laughs> yeah, today, yeah, yeah. today, tomorrow, next week, maybe different. <laughs> maybe different. Yeah, it depends on how you treat Mohammed. That, that, indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah. On his, on his, uh, on the, on the squash stories, and also there's another one that's quite uh, prolific as well. Squash World and several others. I posted that you were yeah. coming on, and then obviously, uh, All right, many yeah. people uh, were were quite interested and happy to to have you on the podcast, and. Um, I got a few questions. Now you probably get this a lot, you know, people wondering about rules and why this and why yeah. that. So it's not, uh, no offense uh, to the way you or your colleagues mark games. It's just what we're getting is a lot of sort of uh, interest in, because the game has changed in terms of the rules a, a little bit uh, over the last couple of years for the better. Uh, I might add uh, in my estimation, it's really squash is a little bit more, 
free flowing and uh, the, with, you know, getting players to, to play the ball rather than play the man, uh, which a generation or two ago was the case. And that, that's really a, a breath of fresh air. So yeah, I just and of have course, a few. I think that, yeah, yeah. that's just the bigger picture is it's now reaching a wider audience, isn't it? With so many matches televised and streamed and what have you. Yeah, Squash um, TV is really uh, yeah, doing a great yeah, job with that. Um, yeah, it's allowing more people to see it and more people to be involved. And as you say, starting to question things as well because they see it now more than they used to. And now we have, with all the video review and whatnot, it brings that yeah. into play. So, I mean, that's just, you know, that I was talking to a friend about this the other day. That's just going to make, uh, improve the game uh, a lot over time once we, we figure things out with the, uh, you know, with this uh, with the video yeah. review and things like that so we've got a, a several sort of uh, p talking points here uh, first one of the first things I'd like to ask is uh, in terms of uh, yeah what is the justification in your estimation in the rules for players being told to play a ball early after the first bounce when they also have uh, the opportunity have the sort of, uh, yeah, the opportunity to maybe hold it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So, yeah. yeah no, I mean, I you, get, exactly you get this a bit, you, this, this has come up a, a bit in recent uh, events over the last little while. Yeah, so I suppose we're looking at rules, aren't we? We're looking at rules and shouldn't, shouldn't rules be guidelines, actually? Should there not be rules? Should they the guidelines where, um, where we're, we're, what we're trying to do is to make the game more watchable. We're trying to make it more free-flowing. And more so, I think the players are contributing to that more than anybody. They're trying to keep the game going all the time. Mm. And in that they are taking the lead in that, I think just the little bit of modern thinking of interpreting the rule is is trying to encourage that to happen yeah. and that, that is where we're going to throw up the discussion aren't we that it says in the rules but yeah. how how much are rules set in stone to be applied that there, there's the big question really yeah isn't yeah, it? yeah so i get i guess what you're maybe what you're alluding to is that if you overhold a shot that you could have played earlier in order to keep the, 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 the play, keep the ball in play and keep the rally going. Yeah, sometimes when, I mean, I know as a player, I'll hold it and hold it and hold it because I know yeah. I, I can get that, I can get the stroke or, or, or yeah. create the interference, right? That, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can probably have played it earlier. So in those cases, I guess that's what you're getting at, right? Play the ball yeah. when you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you're going to allow that to continue in a match, then the players will do it more mm. and we're going to get more stoppages. Um, yeah. yeah, there are going to be fine lines where the, the referee is trying to um, impose something and in imposing it, he might just be a little extreme sometimes. It isn't, it isn't always... The referee is not always going to get it correct, particularly in those situations, hmm. because you are sat or where or stood 
directly behind the line of the striker and the non-striker who are stood in front of, or one in front of each other. Right. And, and then it's difficult to judge. But, yeah, you're trying to achieve something which isn't always easy, and it is going to come to question, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I guess you could we could say that uh, this free flowing keep keep the rally going that type of sort of overarching philosophy now could be injected into just about every aspect of what the way you see the game being played out. Yeah, yeah, we're we're looking we're looking to make the game more free flowing. I yeah. think that's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, and it's so. Yeah. I mean, in the last event, I forget who it was who was playing, um, but it seems to happen in a lot of matches. And you said this earlier: got the players are playing through minimal interference to to play. I think Joel Macon is a great example. He he just uh, he, he plays through splendidly. Yeah, yeah, plays through the interference. It's minimal. Gets the ball back, and and uh, that's how. Yeah, we should. That's how the game should be played. As long as there's nothing, uh, you know seriously impeding yeah. us to get to the ball. Yeah, and I honestly think the referee has got a part to play in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the players can't do it on their own. Yeah, so I get, it's a fine line, isn't it, then? As soon as it's you very, start... Very much yeah. a fine line, very much so. You know, um, you, can, you can carry that out and you can look at it next day and think, wow, you know... I shouldn't possibly be that harsh, you know. Right. Now, um, what are your experiences, uh, moving on to something else, um, the self-inflicted injury uh, timeout? Now, this is, I'm not sure if, how new this is because I'm not up on the rules uh, that much. But I, I actually, uh, speaking of Graham, I think it was Graham Waters, I played in a provincial semifinal match and uh, I had cramps and I had to use the bathroom. That's not so. Yeah. Is that self-inflicted? <laughs> uh, cramps is end of match, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. You have to play on. With yeah, he cramps. told me I had yeah. to play on. Yeah, I wasn't happy. With that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, what are, yeah. what are your what are your experiences dealing with the self-inflicted injury timeouts? Like, do you believe uh, the rule is necessary, or is there too much, or is there too much scope for players to take advantage of it through? I uh, hate to say it, through faking uh, injuries when they need a, a bit of a breather. Because I, there were a couple of instances uh, recently where, you know, the, it was kind of uh, dubious where a guy was given a, a bit of a, a break. Maybe he, he hit his hand on the wall or something. I, I don't know. But uh, what, what's, yeah, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, there is certainly a scope and an opening for players to um, want an injury break when perhaps it isn't really justified. It's a big, big call for the referee. Somewhere along the line, the referee may know or may think that, or be thinking, should he have this injury break? At the end of the day, the referee is not a medic. Um, if the referee were to prevent or stop the player going off for an injury break, which I have done on occasions in the past, you are leaving yourself open to if it is a real injury, um, where is 
you know, what is the referee standing then when he's stopped the player going off court? Very, very difficult one for the referee. Mm. It is possibly creeping in a little bit. Yeah. It possibly does need amending the rule somewhere mm. along the line. But um, that's maybe for the hierarchy to consider. Um, a referee can only really carry out a rule as it stands at the moment. Yeah, I guess uh, you want to err on the side of uh, on the side of caution there, don't you? It's difficult. It's a fine line again where you want fair play, but you've got to have and consider the real safety issues of it as well. Right. I mean, you see what happens in, in other sports. Uh, take, uh, I mean, football is a glaring uh, example where you see a lot of injury uh, faking, which you yeah. know, they're, they're trying to take advantage of the rule in order to you know, get an, uh, uh, you know, uh, an advantage in, in the match. And uh, in that regard, we, you know, we, we do uh, walk a fine line there in squash with this uh, injury, the self-inflicted mm. injury uh, thing. Yeah. Very much so, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it probably is happening a bit more than it used to, as well. Yeah, the um, players. Uh, I mean, having said that, I mean the the players now these days. Uh, I think, without exception, uh, they're all generally pretty decent sportsmen out there. They're they're in the main in the a very very high way into the nineties ninety percent have yeah. been excellent sportsmen, excellent sportsmen. They're a credit, an absolute credit to the sport. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Um, now, I think where, where a lot of us uh, sort of armchair uh, officials get confused sometimes is the debate stemming from uh, the interpretation. And uh, I guess rules. the rules seem to be evolving a lot. So what, what appears to be a simple uh, let for like accidental interference. And we, we've been talking about this earlier is now being called a no let. Um, and that this is, this goes back to what we were just talking about, I guess, to make where there's, there might be a, a, another alternate route to get to the ball. Uh, but a player is interfered with and a no let is given that, that, that goes back to this, you know, playing the ball instead of the man, uh, what we were talking about earlier, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what the referee is really looking for here is what is the first movement of the incoming player? Because yeah. they can possibly not make the direct movement initially. They can correct that movement and then they possibly could reach the ball. Yeah. But again, I suppose the line or the, the thought in recent times is that we are very much looking at that first movement. And even if you can recover and get to the ball, which is an ordinary let in club play, we are penalising again. We're, we're judging the first movement. And that is again to try and keep the match free flowing, making players go to the ball. Yeah. 
I guess it, it would depend too on you know how much space there is between the striker and uh, the one who had just hit the ball and the incoming player, right? Because it's, if, it's, it's yeah. dependent really very much on where the ball is and where the uh, player has just hit the ball, where he stood. There are sometimes just straightforward lets where the line is directly through the non-striker. Yeah. You know, and that is possibly where sometimes a referee can get it wrong, where he's saying you can go on a better line to the ball, and he can't. It is his line to the ball through the opponent. And then if the, if the striker uh, hasn't cleared at all, has made no attempt to clear, and the, and yeah. the incoming player uh, can't get to the ball, then, then it's a stroke. Indeed. If, yeah. if that ball is, is there to be hit, yeah. Yeah, because so that's, that, that's where we're seeing a lot of, yeah. yeah, we're seeing a lot more no lets, and then we're seeing a lot more let uh, strokes in those situations where they weren't, I, I think, there before. Like the, the stroke certainly, is being, you know certainly. what I mean? Is this something yeah. that you yeah. and your, your colleagues, uh, I think it's a good thing, actually. I, I really, in most, most occasions, on most occasions, I, I agree with the calls. After you see it again on the video review, you, you can actually see why yeah yeah um, but yeah, this first, is something you and your colleagues yep yeah. sorry yeah. yeah no i say first time in 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 live it, it takes a good eye to uh, spot it but when you do get time on the review and seen it again you can see what what has happened better and yeah over the last two three years it has got uh, there have been a lot more no lets and strokes come into play and I think the proof is in the pudding that the game is far, far more watchable. Yes, because sir. Players are, players are doing so well clearing the ball better and going to the ball, uh, going to the line of the ball and the average decisions in matches it has reduced considerably. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. And, and those calls, you, you, after you see it on video review, for the most part, uh, yeah, they, they're the right calls, uh, either whether it's a stroke or a no let if the player hasn't cleared uh, and ha if the striker hasn't cleared, stroke. And if the incoming player had a, a definitely another w a, a way to get around and play the ball, no let. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is a fine line sometimes. It is, yeah. Whether it's the extreme, the extreme of a stroke or a no let, actually. Who yeah. is the bigger offending player? The non-striker, the striker, or the incoming player? And that's such a, I mean, for an official too, I mean, that's such a dramatic uh, decision you have to make. It could be uh, game-changing. Uh, do, yeah. do, do you feel that when you're officiating? Or I guess, I guess as an official and as an experienced one, you try to uh, eliminate that from your, your mindset when you make a call. I think uh, any referee who says he doesn't feel the pressure, <laughs> I don't agree. I can't understand it. The question is, how do you deal with the pressure? Yeah. The pressure is there. It's how do you deal with the pressure? How do you deal with it, John? Pardon? How do you deal with how it? Because you deal, deal with, with it, it well. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, um, well, I hope I do, yeah. Um, 
the, the, the biggest secret is forget what has just happened. It is what's going to happen is very important because you can lose your focus just casting your mind back to something that's just happened. Then something else is happening. So you've got to keep yourself detached, keep yourself focused, and the concentration levels are huge. The concentration levels. If you're concentrated and focused, it, it makes you feel more composed and in charge of situations. Hmm. For sure. Now, with this kind of new free-flowing uh, mindset in terms of uh, implementing the rules, uh, have you noticed uh, how, uh, well, how have the players responded? Uh, like we, we, we'd mentioned earlier that uh, many of the players are now, you know, we mentioned Joel Macon, guy, guys like that, maybe Ali Farag also, he plays it through a lot of interference I noticed lately. But uh, how, how do you feel the players overall have responded to it? And have you uh, noticed any sort of new tactics in order to sort of maybe deal, uh, get an advantage or uh, with, the, with the new way that, that we're I, I looking think, at the game? Yeah, I think, I think the players have actually led the way in this. Mm. I think a lot or most players uh, have got such levels of fitness now. They don't want to stop play. They yeah. want it to keep going. They want it to be some part, part of endurance. They are leading the way. And really, we are just helping the cause. I don't think we've led it. I think really um, the lead rule position who came in a few years ago as the liaison between players and referees has helped considerably because the players through him now know what um, what the referees are looking for and we, the referees, know what the, the players are looking for and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah I, I think it, it, it's been really good how it's all changed. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I, and it has changed. If you want... If I look at a match, if I look at a match of three or four years ago, wow, the refereeing is completely different to today. Yeah, it is, and, and, and the players are playing a, a different brand of squash too. I, I mean, as you know, Absolutely. just at my at my level, Absolutely. I guess it would have been equivalent to county level where where you're from. But I, I can just remember back in the day, um, it'd be so frustrating. Not saying that I was always a clean player, but uh, so frustrating to play against a guy who is notorious <laughs> uh, for just fishing for lets the whole match, right? Oh, uh, nothing worse than that. Yeah, now yeah. you don't. Guys who do that are ridiculed <laughs> now. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, yes, yeah. they are. Yeah, they are. They they are almost picked upon. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, you, you, I mean, uh, if you and especially now with with squash TV, the way it is, people are so uh, into into that. And when you get uh, guys uh, commentating on the way that you're playing that way, uh, you're you're going to change pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yes, you you sort of put uh, very much in the limelight, aren't you? Um, with the, with <laughs> yeah, that's, TV, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, and social media is out there too. So it's yeah, it's a good uh, 
good and bad social media. <laughs> yeah, there, there, yeah, there's not, yeah, there's never been as much pressure on the referee. No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> because we're in the spotlight. We don't want to be in the spotlight, but we are. Yeah. Well, I can say that, good, I mean, a good referee I mean you, you know pretty well, too. I think all the guys, uh, they really respect you and, and the players, too. And uh, uh, you always get uh, high marks uh, from what I can gather. You're, everyone's, like you said, you're always going to make a mistake. And you know that for after having a, uh, been an official for as long as you have. Now, I just wanted to know. Um, yeah, how, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, you've been in the, in the game for, for a long time. Um, uh, as an official, what rules now in the game would you maybe like to see introduced or or changed or or uh, removed? Is there any that, that kind of stick out or anything that you you feel might? Well, add? I, I, I think we could um, the a blood injury could be officially amended. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's something that now yeah. because what's know, the rule? We, what's the rule on that now, John? Too much stoppage, aren't we? Yeah, what, what is well, the, yeah. I suppose the, the rule is still the same, but mm. uh, from a, a PSA point of view, we are trying to get, um, we're trying to get the players back on court quicker without the threat of if blood shows a game, well, they'll lose that game or whatever it might be. With right. the, um, consent of the opponent we are uh, mending the blood injury trying to get them on court as quickly as possible and possibly having bits of loopholes if blood was to emerge again if it was to show again um, not be quite as strict with the outcomes right yeah that that makes sense and i think that's the uh amongst the, the squash community uh, who are interested. Be, be, because in, in that we're trying to keep play continuous and, and what have and what have you, the two, um, the two problems are the injury situations and the, the damp on court, which is, is stopping the game probably um, a bit more than we'd like it to. Mm. And... Um, Again, the, the, the wet on court, the damp on court off the players is, again, a difficult issue to deal with because of different temperatures, et cetera, wherever you may be. Yeah. What's your, I mean, that, that was, a, I think, a, an issue in, in the last event. I think it might have been uh, Joel Macon was, was sweating a bit, or, I think, uh, and some, yeah. I forget who he was playing, was complaining about it. What, what's your, uh, when, when you have that kind of situation, uh, what do you look for uh, when you before you call the guys to come on court and dry it up? Well, you're certainly um, encouraging your video referee to keep his eyes on the court to help you. Your first job is, is this a time-wasting exercise from the player asking or is there damp on the court? So you're looking at body language of both players Right. immediately to see whether there is mileage on the cleaners coming on court. You, right. You're reading body language. Does one player want it? Does another? If they both want it fairly quickly, you're on safe ground. But right. yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to cut out again, um, 
like any injury systems, we're trying to cut out the breaks in play as much as we can. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess, and you'd be able to. Is it easy to see uh, from your vantage point where you're again where you're venue sitting? to venue? Yeah, venue to venue. Where we, where we sat differs uh, considerably from venue to venue. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can be almost on top of court, or you can you can be quite a number of rows away, and right. then it makes it more difficult. It actually makes it more difficult to referee the further away you are. Yeah. What's yeah. your preference, uh, John, in terms of like if you if you could decide? Do you? Uh, I guess you. Do you have a say in where where you sit? We we sometimes have a say. Yeah, when we go to a venue, where is the best place you want to be? Um, yeah. Um, the 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 be- the best place is probably um f- five rows back six rows back with elevation right but some places you go the five or six rows back uh the elevation is is not high enough so okay. that is when you have to go to 10 rows because you need some elevation as well so right. it really is very variable whereas a, a tennis umpire is always in the same seat a squash one um, very much depends on how big the venue is and how far back the seating is from the court. Is that something that should be looked into in terms of when you set up the the venue to make sure I that the umpire... I think it's very difficult. No, I, I think yeah. it's something we have to live with because the, from the outdoor to the indoor venues to the size of them, no, there are too many factors to get it um, constant, to be honest. And it's just, uh, yeah, you, you, you live with those situations. Right. Now, um, now I know there are a lot of uh, aspiring officials out there and many armchair officials, but anyone who's kind of, uh, uh, who would like to get into officiating at, at a higher level like you did back in the day and take it to, to another level, what would, in your mind, uh, what are the pillars uh, uh, of a great referee? Number one, patience. It mm-hmm. cannot happen overnight. You've got to build a bank of experience, really, and you've got to do the matches at all levels to learn your trade. Um, it, it, it can happen fairly quickly, but Patience is such a... Referees want to be refereeing the World Open final within two or three years. (laughs) And that doesn't happen, you know. Um, There's there's a lot of of opportunities to referee at junior events, etc., etc. And that's where you start out. And that's where you learn your trade. That's Mm. where you learn how to go on, how to conduct yourself, how to concentrate. so log, log in, log in a lot of matches. Not a quick journey. Yeah. Oh, log absolutely. in those matches, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, in, in my first 10 years, I must have done 4,000 matches. Wow, yeah. Of all, level, of all levels. It was as simple as that, and you learn so much from them all. Yeah. And still, still, different scenarios happen for the first time. It's amazing how different scenarios can still happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So patience. So, in order to get 
so that you can see everything so nothing you nothing that comes up uh, sort of surprises you that kind of thing no 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 that's right but it's also it's um it is time consuming as well because um you know it is weekends isn't it where you start refereeing at junior tournaments and yeah. and whatever it is you, you've got to be probably at that stage in your life where you have got time available to do it all as well right because you can't sort of turn up 10 20 days a year and, and really hope to progress quickly yeah right. yeah now you have to have the time in order to to put in mm. those hours i guess so patience mm. and um any any other uh, keys to to becoming a great official um, i suppose you've got to have thick skin haven't you yeah uh, absolutely yeah yeah you've got to have <laughs> as well as admirers you all you've always got people popping at you as well you yeah know? yeah and, and, and rightly so as well because a referee can't get it all right no it's not so, possible to get it all right we try and achieve that but by gum it's a big ask to do it yeah no for sure i mean you've got uh I mean, you've got these guys popping off at you all the time. You've, but you've, like you said, you've just got to let it roll off your skin and come back as, a, you know, as coolly uh, as you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to enjoy it, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to enjoy it because it is pressure. There is yeah. often pressure and you've got to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I think things get tight too at the end of a match if it's a big match and, uh, <laughs> you know, how those things go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just say a quick, you say a quick prayer then when you come into a tight situation <laughs> in the yeah, match. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, what what I like about the new, I mean, in the events where we have the luxury of the the review system, and I think what you and your colleagues do really well is rather than maybe uh, giving the knee jerk uh, call, you go to the the, the review official which is, uh, I think, yeah. a really, really yeah. good uh, uh, thing, a really new, a great introduction to officiating at that highest level. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, is that, uh, what, what's your take on that, John? Yeah, well, um, it's not set in stone, but if you are coming to the end of a game and both or one player has lost his review, you have it in your mind that your decision, the decision to that player who has lost his review is um, he hasn't got a right of appeal then. So it is really on you that you get it right. Yeah. So in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, if I get a really tight one here, it would be better for it to go to the video referee because then... When it's on the screen, the video referee and the match referee can have a little discussion about it. Right, so you, you can communicate with the, you can communicate yes. a little bit with, okay, yeah. Yes, you can communicate a little bit. Um, and also, on the other hand then, you can't be going to the video referee too often right. or the players are going to think you're not confident in, in making your own decisions. Right. So it really does have to be opportune when you do it. You yeah. can't overdo it. 
but it is a great tool used at the right time. Now, I think uh, overall, the, 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 uh, the instances where I've seen it being used, it, it tends to be, it's almost like always match ball <laughs> or around that, yeah. that period in yeah. the match, which, yeah. which is, yeah. it makes sense. Uh, yeah. You want to get it right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And um, it was just a, a, before you uh, rose to, to the highest levels of, in, in, the game, in the officiating game, uh, what was the best advice you, you received uh, on the way, along the way? The best advice was always enjoy it first. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, and also, I suppose good advice or possibly situations I did see on my way up was where uh, referees didn't possibly conduct themselves off court um, with players or whatever in, in the right way. I don't think you can, you can overuse your position off court to try and get brownie points. It doesn't work that way. You mm. can't make yourself popular off court. Um, the, the, ref, the, the players judge you on court. You can't make yourself popular uh, on, off court. And it's a, it's a dangerous avenue to go down. And I was always told, be careful how you conduct yourself off court with players, with the media, etc. Right. Yeah. Well, generally, I mean, we don't really hear much of anything of, of, of the officials off court. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's important. Very important. That. At, the, at the same time, you've always got to, as I've said before, you've got to always look as if you're human as well. You can't blank yourself from everybody. That isn't the right way either. No. Um, mm. No. So uh, what's your approach off the court like with the players? Are you, uh, do you have sort of a relationships with them or you, you just sort of, you, you speak, uh, you're on friendly terms, yeah, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we can, we can uh, interchange views on things and uh, we can have just a general chat. I can sometimes see them in, in the gym and we have a, a little conversation. Yeah, no, it's... Um, it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's mutual respect because th these guys have really got to be respected for um, how they conduct themselves in in this great sport. Really, it's it's, it's tough. It's tough out there for them, and uh, I think they're great. One hundred percent. Yeah. Now, uh, John, yeah. you've been you've been fantastic uh, with your time. I've just I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, this last question with you uh, having been in the game at the highest level for so long. Uh, could you give us uh, one or two uh, anecdotes of, of your <laughs> you probably knew this was coming. Uh, the most contentious uh, experiences you've had uh, uh, out there on the pro tour. Yeah, I, I think I had something in um Qatar quite a few years ago where um, a younger um, a younger uh, a Darwish and uh, Gaultier had oh, a, yeah. a little bit of a, an altercation on court and I, I think I had to, to get on there and um, 
sort it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, what else have I had? That was in Qatar, was it? There must have been quite a, a large uh, Egyptian contingent there then. Yeah, 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 yeah. There certainly was. We had to had to get the players off court and uh, and cool the situations down first before we. It might have been even before squash TV that. Right. I don't ever remember seeing it uh, <laughs> on screen. Okay. Um, uh, well, then of course there was the one in um, last year in Egypt where I got a. Uh, a bit of a tummy bug and um, one minute I was refereeing the match and uh, next oh, yeah. minute I'd, um, I think I'd uh, passed out and um, caused quite a little bit of concern. You did, yes, I remember place. that. I, was, I think I, w I watched <laughs> that match, yeah. I think one minute I was refereeing and one minute I was, I was laid out. I did make a quick recovery afterwards, but... Uh, yeah, what it happened there? Caused, uh, I don't know. I had this tummy bug going into the match, yeah. and then suddenly, from nowhere, within about 15, 20 seconds, everything was going dizzy. <laughs> and, uh, and I went, yeah. So that wasn't one of my better experiences. Um, uh I don't suppose I've been tied up in that much controversy, really, over the years, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I mean, we you do see back back in the day with with uh, Power and uh, Dave Palmer. There tended uh, during that that period, there tended to be, to be quite a bit more uh, blow ups with referees. But that that was just I oh, think yeah. uh, the evolution of the rules of the game. What we have now. Uh, doesn't doesn't create that that type of controversy uh, with the yeah, with the more yeah. free flowing uh, aspect and with obviously with the with the opportunity to review calls. So uh, back then it would have been a bit. Uh, I I would guess that would have been a bit more tricky for you. Yeah, I suppose uh, I don't know the we'd air this one, but I did have one in Canary Wharf as well where. Um, one or two um, city boys who'd come come from work uh, were a little inebriated, and um, I had a couple of them falling across me as they were trying to get get through me during a match. And um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I just about managed to turn my mic off uh, to the crowd before um, I advised them in not too polite man, uh, language, you know, where they could go, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right on, that's great. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you, you prob that's probably off. something you have to do every now and then, isn't it? The crowd management. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, that was more sort of funny with them. I saw sort of making, am uh, this is male people as well, making amorous advances to me as I was sort of refereeing the match, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I think they had more than four or five bottles of beer, yeah. yeah. Right on, right on. Well, yeah. uh, 
Well, John, I just want to say on, on behalf of uh, all the, the, the entire squash community, uh, really appreciate uh, what you do for the game. Officiating is no easy task, and you, uh, you do such a great job with it. I know the players uh, respect you uh, at the highest levels, and um, I know we all do uh, as uh, spectators of the game. You make it look uh, fun out there with the way you're doing it, and, and yeah, uh, you do a yeah, great job. It is. It is. Oh, it is fun. Yeah. I love it. And long may, long may the old boy continue. We hope, yeah, keep it going, John, and uh, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much. Jerry, thanks very much. Thanks for your time. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, thanks again to John for taking the time out to do that, and uh, thanks to his daughter for helping him uh, uh, get through the technology required to, uh, to set up the podcast with me. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, everybody, I uh, just want to thank you uh, for listening to uh, In Squash. We've been getting a lot of new listeners lately and really appreciate that. Please uh, share these episodes with your friends. Please review them on whatever podcast app that you're listening to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, uh, whatever you're listening to uh, this podcast on. And we've got uh, some good ones uh, coming up as well. So stay tuned for those. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today. John Mazzarella showed up big, and I'm looking forward to uh, the next couple that are coming up as well. So enjoy your squash. Have a great day, and talk to you soon. Goodbye now.